All right, welcome to another interview episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. I have a longtime friend and um, birthday co-conspirator. We we conspired to be born on the same day, September 30th. Uh, so you can send send us both birthday wishes on September 30th. Um, you know, remember remember that important date. Anyways, I don't want to get too long before I get into my first question. Adela Marcy, you've been called the underground A-lister. What the heck does that even mean? First of all, I'm going to say before we even jump in, Roy, it's great to see you again. And yes, I'm glad that you remember that we have the same birthday because it's like, I was talking to a friend about this the other day and they were like, what do you mean? It's like me and Roy go back. We we co we co-conspired to actually be born on the same date, years <laughs> apart, but it makes us even more awesome because all the best people are born on September 30th. We know this. Um, right. So what does the underground A-list mean? Well, you've known me for a long time. Like a really long sure. time, surprisingly. I was, yes. I was thinking about this. So I'm 33 now, and I think we met a decade ago online. Like, that's how crazy long it's been. Dang. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about so I was, right. I was, I was in my 20s when, when we met. Uh, but what it was, and you know this, for the longest time, I was like, I've been quiet. Like, I come yeah. up with like insane ideas. The amount of times we've like riffed on podcasts or like riffed on just like private calls and stuff. And uh, the people that we've been connected to. So it's the running joke became, and this is what our mutual friend Shiv said, he was like, the running joke is that you're the underground A-lister because everyone that knows you knows who you are, but the general public have no fucking clue. Like, no one has a clue. Like, you can go up to be like, <laughs> so-and-so is a great copywriter. So like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. They're like, yeah, who are you? And I'm like, I'm the guy that taught the, the guy that you said was great. Really? It was like, yeah, here's his testimonial telling me how, how much he, I helped him. And they're like, oh my God. And it's like, yeah. So it just became a thing where I was like the underground A-list. I was like, I'm going to use that as a title now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Adel Marcy's called the underground A-lister. We go back a long time. Yes. Uh, he's racked up over $900 million in sales as a copywriter. He's written in 400 plus markets and he's ran 17,000 campaigns over a 15 year plus career, more than 15 years. Helped train over 50 copywriters. He's got the Adel Marcy Unplugged podcast with 300 plus episodes with incredible entrepreneurs and marketers, including yours truly. Yes, a couple times over. Three times three. over? Three Jeez. times. Three times. All yeah. right. Yes. Um, he's also incredibly brilliant and fun to talk with. Um, and and yeah, in my notes here, I said, you know, we're birthday brothers. So at the very least, at the very least, if we don't talk more often, we reconnect every September 30th and, and we you really know. Do celebrate together um and that's he go what's that go no no i was just gonna say that's one thing i absolutely love about us is even though we don't speak that often when we reconnect it's like dude it's like we just have like yeah. an incredible catch up <laughs> but yeah sorry dude you're gonna say so uh la last thing here in the bio is he relocated to zanzibar and back to the uk so he's yeah. he's splitting time like a like a true jet setter and man of the world uh splitting time between zanzibar and the uk We'll talk about all of this. One thing I'll say for those of you who are used to my like fully prepared, uh, lots of questions, interviews, this is not that because Adel and I go back so far that like, it's just, I, I mean, I have some notes. Yeah, but this is going to be a very flexible conversation where you're going to be a fly on the wall between two people who've been in this for a long time, had a lot of success and, you know, get to hear our, our thoughts on copywriting life and, you know, yeah, and whatever. The big changes that have come through because i'm curious about your opinions on them uh side For note because sure. this is something that this this made me happy i just want everyone to know because i don't know if you guys can see the video i think you are but this really made me happy was 
you reading i've been doing this for 15 years and your response is it's longer than that (laughs) (laughs) well i'm pretty sure that it is i'm pretty sure yeah professionally i've had my career for 15 years but i've been doing this since i was 12 so it's like 21 years of doing this it's like my my career is old enough to be an alcoholic at the age of 21 they can order alcohol in america (laughs) at this point and it still makes me laugh because it annoys the shit out of shiv is i told him that my copywriting career is almost as he is almost as old as he is and he was like i hate you (laughs) i started when you were three and he was like Damn it. Oh man. <laughs> Just All right. So, so what the what the heck like um Zanzibar. Yeah. What what spurred you to to uh relocate there? You know, you were wow. telling me a little bit there's a um you know, there's some property there. You were there for a while. You're back in the UK now. Um and how does it all impact copywriting? Okay, so first of all, let's just unpack the coincidence of us having this conversation today, because <laughs> it is coincidental as can be. Uh, a year ago, May third, two thousand and twenty-two, uh, Shib was actually at my house. So we were having, I was, he was at my house in London, um, and I'm making steak. I, I remember the whole thing. I'm making steak and I'm making cookies because like, I'm making dinner. I love to cook, and we're talking, and I'm like. Yeah, so I'm seeing this girl, we're having a great time, blah, 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 whatever it is. And all of a sudden, I'm like, if things work out well, I'll move to Tanzania in like a couple of years time. Now, Zanzibar is part of Tanzania, it's a small island off the coast. I was like, I'll move back home in a couple of years time because I will really, really want to see how life has developed there because it's become very economic. It's... um the digital hub spot in all of East Africa. It's got so many incredible things going on there. The food is delicious. I was like, right, I'm going to go. But I was like, but if things don't work out, I'll move on April 1st, 2023 to Zanzibar. And I'll, I won't tell anyone because they'll think it's a joke. And then I'll show a photo that I'm here. And he's like, that's a hilarious plan. Word, no word of a lie. The next night, May the 4th, I, I don't want to watch Star Wars because I'm on the stay with this girl. Uh, we end up watching Star Wars, and right before a certain point, we I can always tell when something is wrong. So I was like, what's wrong? So oh, nothing, what's wrong? And like the third time, like two hours later, like, no, seriously, something's wrong. It's really weirding me out what's happening. Um, and she tells me what goes on. We end up, she tells me something, and that moment I realized that relationship is over. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I gotta move to Zanzibar now, because like that's what I said I would do. <laughs> so eventually I'm like, okay, I've got a full year to go before I do this. And through a series of really random events, first of all, meeting up with Peter Kell uh, was absolutely incredible. He stayed at my house, uh, became really good friends. We had an incredible mushroom trip where we got lost in the backwoods of Oxfordshire, which there was a 30 minute video of this on the blog, which you can go check out. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> very revealing of my life, but also very hilarious. Some mushrooms and it's a great adventure. Really fun time. Um, after that, I realized I had a bit of a depression going on because of 2021 and all the ridiculous dick kicking that happened during that year. And then finally, it was uh, it hit around August. And I said to myself, my lease is up on my apartment. I don't want to live here. I feel really confined here. There's not enough sunlight. It's a wonderful place, but I need to find a different place. And uh, I just got to a point where I could finally afford to go on holiday. And I was like, I have excess income. I can go away for the first time in years. And I've got my passport and where else? I'm going to go back to Tanzania. I've not been there for 16 years. I've not seen my cousins. I've not seen my uncles, not seen everyone. 
I decide to fly home. I'm like, I'm going to be here for three weeks. I want to go to Zanzibar for five days. I've never been before. I want to go see what Zanzibar is like. I fell in love with Zanzibar the moment I got off the boat. I just felt at home because in Dar es Salaam, it's nice, but everyone knows each other's business. And the strange thing is I speak my mother tongue with an English accent. So I sound very, very foreign, even though I'm speaking a different language. <laughs> um, but in in Zanzibar, like people just accepted me. They loved me. It was absolutely wonderful. We have friends and family there. So it just became, uh, it felt very good to be there. Uh, and then it was in that time period I decided, okay, I'm flying back on the 23rd of September because my mother's birthday was, you know, a few days after. And obviously my birthday was coming up, but our birthday was coming up. So I flew back to London and in the space of eight days, I didn't even have a return ticket, by the way. I, I just literally <laughs> flew back. I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna fly back to Zanzibar on October 2nd. I have eight days to make this thing happen. <laughs> so I fly back. I arrive in London. I see my friend. I leave London. I come home to see my mom. Uh, I spend two days with my mom, celebrate her birthday. Then I'm off to Manchester where I'm speaking. Now, fun little fact, I'm a Manchester United fan. have been a Manchester United fan since I was a little boy. Um, I'm speaking at a seminar that just so happens to be on Manchester United's home ground, Old Trafford, a.k.a. the Theatre of Dreams. So it's our birthday. It's my 33rd. I'm in front of 200 plus people. I have 200 women serenading and saying happy birthday. I was speaking on stage at the Theatre of the Dreams, the only male speaker on the entire lineup. Have a great standing ovation, wonderful time. And then I literally start heading back. After that event is when I got, uh, I looked at my accounts and stuff and I realized, great, I've got enough. Bought my plane ticket right back after going getting off stage. Got to London, celebrated my birthday. That was fun. Uh, and then on the Sunday, literally the next morning, I was in an Uber heading back to Zanzibar with all my possessions. So I ended up staying there for six and a half, seven months. Uh, and the reason I was drawn to that, just to answer the question finally, is um, I needed to break away. I need to go back to my roots. Yeah. I need to find myself. And I need to reconnect with my culture because Tanzania has got a lot of beautiful nature. There's, you know, um, it, it's an island. It's surrounded by the ocean. It's so beautiful and so healing. And uh, I got there and I met a bunch of lifelong friends. I had some incredible experiences. Um, so it was wonderful. It was, it was everything that it needed to be minus the internet. That was the only thing that pissed me <laughs> off was the lack of Wi-Fi. Yeah, um, it's been it's been months trying to get this interview scheduled because of the internet. three times. Yeah, because of the internet in Zanzibar. Yeah, um, that, the worst part of that, by the way, was I was staying at my aunt's house. So people in Tanzania have massive houses. Like my auntie, like her place is a fully blown house and her studio. You know, those one room things where your bedroom and living room and kitchen is all in one place. Yeah. The only reason it was classed as a studio is because they decided not to put a, they decided not to put a wall between the bedroom and the living room. But it's a one bedroom apartment, a very sizable one bedroom apartment with no Wi-Fi. But in my head, after I moved out, found my place and found out how ridiculously expensive it was to get Wi-Fi on the island. And I'll tell you that in a minute. Uh, I ended up hiring an office for like 200 bucks a month. Had I known this, I would have just paid 200 bucks a month and stayed at my auntie's house for free. So I was like, damn you rentals. <laughs> but it was an experience. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a sounds like a freaking blast, man. Um, so like what goes on with what goes on with copywriting when you're uh, in Zanzibar without a uh, without like a 
Wi-Fi connection without the internet? What? Oh man, I did not take on many new clients. I think I only had two clients the entire time. Because the funny thing is with copywriting, and I I, I wonder if you can relate to this because this is the question I have for you. Um, yeah. I hit a point where my confidence was riding high. Then we had a bit of a dip. Then we had another hike point. And then after there was just like a little bit of a weirdness that went on with the client, which everything smoothed over in the end. But it made me realize I didn't want to write anymore. Because uh, personally for me, I still have a little bit of trauma left over from, um, so my dad passed away and like 20 minutes later, we had a client dispute kind of happen literally as like that happens. It was all tangled oh, in together. Yeah, it was a yeah. pain in the ass. Um, in its own right, it was very freeing because at the same time, it showed me what I wanted to do. Peter Cal tried to get me back into copy. I tried a few projects, didn't really feel it. So uh, being back in Tanzania, the thing that really kept me going was the Wi-Fi would have been perfect if I wasn't mentoring people through the CMMP every day. If I wasn't <laughs> mentoring, I'd be like, I can get by on business. I can do what I'm doing. But because yeah. I was mentoring daily, I had to always be plugged in. So it became challenging. So I didn't take on any new clients. I did some consulting. And even that was a challenge. So like days you'd find me like on a hotspot trying to find like a place or a cafe where there aren't too many tourists We're like can i use your internet it's like yeah sit on zoom switch off my camera and just talk to people i'm like damn it this feels so weird <laughs> for sure for sure like as as a copywriter so much of of the stuff now like is yeah there's there's time spent writing copy and most of that actually frankly sometimes i feel like i should shut off the internet while i'm writing copy because it's such a big distraction yep. um but at the same time, like there's so much stuff like this interview, right? Or getting right. on Zoom with a client, um, having, you know, and 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 it's important to be able to do things like video calls because we do screen sharing and we do all sorts of stuff yeah. with that. Um, plus the face-to-face -face of cameras, it's not the same as in person, but it's still so much better. Yeah, especially when you're out there on your own. It's really a good way to keep in touch with people that you know, to keep you yeah. sane. Absolutely. Um, so, so, so right now you're back in London, you're going to, you're going to be going back and forth a little bit, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of enjoying this freedom. Um, is there like, I, I just started going through, uh, through deep work by Cal Newport again. And, right. and it seems almost like a, like a perfect setup for being able to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have my, my Tanzania work, right? I'm going to have my Zanzibar work and I'm going to have my London work. And my London work is maybe going to look different than, yeah. than the Zanzibar work. Um, yeah. Have you gone through any of that thinking yet in terms of, of that or no? And this is a stupid question. <laughs> no, it's a great question. It's actually a wonderful question. So I want to, I want to congratulate you for asking me this. This is like a question that made me think because I'm like, shit, no one ever asked me this. Um, so Zanzibar work is quite interesting because when I go back, I'm planning on going back in a month at a time. So like okay. usually in the CMMP and the mentoring, what we do is, uh, and this is something that we implemented that works really well. Every 10 weeks or so, every coach has to take two weeks off. Like it's a forced, you, you have to take two weeks off. Okay. But my next break, because I just came back from a break, my next break off is uh, in July, but I'm going to forego that and be like, no, I'm going to work all the way through September and I'm going to take all of September off because I can then travel to Africa. I can see family. 
I can fly back. It's I, I can just focus on being present when I'm there versus, okay, it's you know th- it's two out two or three hour difference between here and there. So it's like all right, it's like middle of the day. I got to go take this call for an hour or two. <laughs> yeah, it's a really it, it's a very inconvenient time to have those calls. So, like Tanzania work is just you know seeing family, going to the farm because we bought a farm out that way, and just finding like what we want to do. Uh, whereas in the UK, the thing that changed for me was, uh, as my coach basically told me, he goes, your focus in London and your focus in Tanzania has always been like one foot here, one foot here. Like you've always dreamt about going back home and what that looks like. Yeah. And But now I've already gone back and I've come back. I'm like, great. I know what I was expecting there and I know who I am here. So the, the there's a greater hustle in the UK for me, though, uh, where I'm at right now, because again, we had a you kind of know a little bit more about this than like the people listening to this would be. Um, I went through like a bit of a shift in identity. So I'm kind of trying to find what I want to do a little bit more, but the desire to like work at a higher clip is definitely in the UK. Like in Tanzania, I did not want to work. I'm not going to lie. I want to spend every day (laughs) sitting on the beach and going in the ocean because why would you not? (laughs) Well, I I mean, it's like a humble brag about what copywriting lets you do, right? Um, yeah. That that you can actually get away with that, and you're not losing your job. And yeah. um, that's kind of the power of of building up your reputation and your skill to a level where you can hustle however many months out of the year, yeah. and you can take breaks and and just uh, enjoy those breaks massively. Um, and something yeah. that something that's in the plan is I've, and you've had me speak about this for literally years is I've always wanted to create the encyclopedia kind of thing of copy, which is all my methodology put in one place. And dude, we're like 60% done with that at last, which is really good. Um, and once I've got that automating and selling in the way that I want it, that's kind of going to be the big thing I'm going to be focusing more of my time on is just how can I do more fun stuff? Yeah. Cause again, absolutely. I'm, because I'm 33 and I've done this for so long. I feel like I've been in the industry for ages. I feel like an old man that's still here. I'm like, oh, cool. You guys have been here for a few years. Why do I feel like the old guy in the club right now? This feels so strange. Uh, just wait. I'm, you know, I'm 40 now and I've been doing this since 2005. So it's... Dude, piss off you. Are, you are not 40. There is no uh, way that you are 40. Yeah. 1982. Okay. Look at yeah. this handsome mofo right here. <laughs> Looking all good and shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. All right, so uh, there's a couple different angles that I want to go down. So CMMP is is this mentoring program for copywriters, and I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about yeah. working with up and coming copywriters. It's something we've both done a lot of. Um, also, I have a feeling we have a lot to talk about with AI, ChatGPT, oh, yeah. all that good stuff. Um, and there's there's maybe some other stuff too. I suppose we could we could uh, talk about that that roller coaster thing that you were talking about with kind of the emotions of yeah. client work and copywriting work. Um, what's the which one of those is uh, the most inspiring to you to talk about right now? First, this. Ooh, okay. Let's start off with the obvious elephant in the room, which is AI, because everyone freaks out about AI, and it's it, yeah. it's funny because like. It's funny to me because Shiv started off 2023 with like AI's bullshit. It's not going to do anything. Six weeks in, it's like AI's not bullshit. I was totally wrong. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle with all this. I'm like, it's not bullshit, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like I've 
come out and I think that this resonates with a lot of people. I think of it like um, like a, a not very skilled copywriting assistant who can sometimes crank out some really good stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Um, or like copywriting assistant or like a junior copywriter. And you always have to treat it that way. So like when I've worked with junior, like I've worked with people who are brand new to financial copywriting and we have to crank out like an eight to 10,000 word VSL for the investment newsletter market, which is pretty competitive and the copy has to be really good. And, and there's this process that sometimes I feel like I still suck at it where it's, you know, I have to tell them what I expect from them and I have to be as clear as possible about what I expect from them. And then they're going to give me something and it's not going to be what I expect. <laughs> and so I have to ultimately be responsible for either like massaging that and turning it into what I expected or completely rewriting it and yep. making it what I expected. And eventually those copywriters went on and became like, I mean, some of them are like copy chiefs at top financial publishers and stuff like that, like really good. Uh, you know, one guy actually runs an agency that I respect and I've worked for now at this point after, you know, him being a coaching mm -hmm. person. Um, but I think of the same thing with AI, right? Like it's it's um, it's it's a it's a junior copywriter with occasional signs of brilliance and oftentimes a lot of frustration getting at least a level like or, or B level, like B plus level copy, um, yeah. you can, you can crank out like D level SEO articles easily right oh, now. Right. Like so simple. It's like the best thing in the world for content. Yeah. Um, or the worst, if you think that we're already overwhelmed. With <laughs> um, that too. so, so, um, like what are your thoughts? What, what's, what's been fun with AI with you recently? Like what's, what are you doing with it? Um, yeah. Okay, so there is one thing that's really fun that I'm only going to tell you once we're not recording because I don't want everyone to go jump on this before I do it because <laughs> it's a great fucking idea and I really want to keep it to myself. Um, <laughs> you guys will hear about it in a couple of months after I've actually like you know figured out this thing because right now it's a theory. But the thing I really liked about it, and I like your analogy about it being a junior copywriter, what I find funny is the way that I think about it is it's like a, it's it's the equivalent of what a power drill is to a screwdriver. Yeah, that's the way I look at AI. It's just a power drill. Yeah. What does that mean? The average person, including myself, can pick up a power drill and screw some shit in. But do you think it's actually really going to make me the next handyman ever? No. God, no, because I don't know shit about any other stuff. I just know how to like put a, a hole in the wall with a screw yeah. using a power drill. That, that's as far as my limitation goes. And that's what most of AI, that's what it's going to be for. It's like, how do I put a screw in the wall? That's literally it. Copyright is still going to be needed. Anyone that's going to, I'm a prompt engineer. Fuck you, in my opinion, but still <laughs> great title use. But realistically, what you are without the actual understanding of the deep emotional psychology of what people go through, why they go through it, how they feel it. Without going into the esoteric, you're going to miss out on like the greatness of copy. You're going to miss out the great stuff that basically comes of it. The, the, the essence, the core, the power, the feeling, the. As Roy put it, the finesse, you're not going to get to that level of finesse right away. 
there's a reason yeah. why I joke about it. you can play Adol versus the AI or Roy versus the AI is if you give an AI the same prompt and give us both like an attempt at it, I guaranteed our first drafts are going to wipe the floor of their first draft. Why? Because we have more nuance. We have more understanding. We've done this for a lot longer. So it's it's crazy. Like Roy's coming like 18 years, 18 years <laughs> in this game right now. And like, it's, it's insane. 15 professionally, 18 professionally. It's like, we've been past a cusp of point where we can just see things. It becomes like, um, to quote Cypher of all random matrix characters is I don't even see code anymore. For me, I just see blonde, brunette, redhead. We just see bad word, use this, change this around, horrible paragraph, switch this around. It's a Rubik's cube. So yeah, AI, in my opinion, it's your best friend if you know how to use it. It's your worst enemy. And what I love about this, and I think you would relate and agree with me on this, since 2017, I call the Dan Lock era of copywriters coming through the game, we've had what is essentially a glorified content writer say they're a copywriter. We are not the same. It's the difference yeah. between a wolf and a, it's between a wolf and a prairie dog or a wolf and a chihuahua. We are not in the same league. Like it's not like that chihuahua is going to be like, dude, something's going to kill us. And that's what I mean. Cause look, put it this way. A copyright I'm the wolf. Body. You're the chihuahua. Los Lobos. <laughs> it feels you like something. That feels like something that Walt from um, Breaking Bad would say. Would so say I am a wolf. You are a chihuahua. Yeah. Oh my God. See if I can yeah. get Brian Cranston's voice to say that as an AI, just for funsies would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God. But no, it, it's so true though, because I think you'd agree with me on this one. What copywriters, like the content writers, the glorified content writers that came through copy, they didn't know the other essences of copy. They didn't understand how to structure the offer. They didn't understand deep rooted psychology. They didn't understand how to sell. They didn't yeah. understand what strategy is. They didn't understand all the bits and tiny pieces that make an elite copywriter an elite copywriter. They just knew one form. Um, and with the birth of AI being what it is, you're now losing to that form. Okay, so I think you're going to like this, though. I, th I think you're going to like this. Um, the other day, I I think I saw it from Stefan Georgi. Um, it talked about having ChatGPT write an emotional diary entry. And I, I, I love AI right now for things like that. Um, yeah. the, the, the less factual it has to be the better, because that's not what large language models specialize in. Right. Um, the yeah. less factual it has to be the better. Um, and the more like representative of a general experience, the better, because it just, it just takes input and, and like averages it and outputs it, which is by the way, like, uh, okay. Uh, side rant. Way back in the day, I wrote a like why copy reviews suck article mm -hmm. and um, even had Mark Ford weighing in on it um, be because of um, I was I was basically given crap to his copy logic process, but not really, not really. Um, so. Um, what what I said about the about the copy review process. Um, like the peer review process was that it has a like an averaging effect, right? And so if you get someone in a peer review who is a C-level copywriter and you have a bunch of B minus and A plus copyright writers reviewing the copy, 
then what's going to happen is that C-level copywriters copy, they're going to see how to take it to B plus A minus level, right? Yeah. If you have a piece of copy that's like, it breaks all the rules, but it does so in a way that's just like super powerful. And it's like A plus copy just because it breaks rules. It's going to catch attention. Like, for example, the end of America headline that was warning this content may be objectionable to some viewers, right? Like, um, that breaks all the rules of, of what a headline should be in copywriting, right? Oh, entirely. But put that through a peer review process with a bunch of like B plus A minus copywriters. And they're going to say, ah, this it's not like what a headline is supposed not, to do. It's not going to work. What are you doing? It, it's right. kind of like the, do, do you remember, just to jump in here, do you remember the fat loss furnace sales letter from like 10 years ago? Oh, I, I, I don't remember the sales letter itself. No. No, um, it was like, Beatable for like six years. No one, like even yeah. Kevin Rogers was like, dude, I couldn't even break this thing. And it breaks <laughs> every rule under the sun. Exactly. Um, so so um like Sorry, I was I was talking about the cap reviews, and they have this averaging effect, which can be a virtue in a lot of circumstances. It can also like be a downside. Well, large language models work largely the same way. Um, you know, ChatGPT is going to give you average output, right? It's not going to give you break all the rules in an extremely creative way unless you like force it to. And I, I think that there are ways that you can force it to. But I yeah. like this. I like this like emotional diary entry thing. Like I wrote write a write an emotional diary entry from a business owner whose business has grown to about five million dollars, but growth feels stuck. They're frustrated with finding new ways to grow their business, getting more leads and customer sales and profits, make a personal expressing worries about the future of the business and doubts about whether they truly understand what it will take to succeed and grow the business more. And like I ended up, I ended up like that was the initial prompt. I ended up saying like, okay, continue with the next day's diary entry, right? Uh, the business owners looking for specific ways, like what are the specific questions that they're asking themselves about this? And then the next day's diary entry is in a darker place emotionally. They're thinking about all the bad things that might happen if they don't get good answers to these questions. And it's like going back and forth and like trying to trying to like tease out these these uh, different experiences. And like like the one where it was the questions that they I I said. I said something about um, this should not be so much a series of questions and answers, but just the questions that they want to find answers to. So questions are like, what unique selling points does our business have and how can we leverage them to attract more customers and stand out from the competition? Are there any untapped markets or niches that we could target to expand our customer base? How can we improve our online presence? Um, like, you know, how can we optimize our website and sales funnel to encourage more conversions and repeat business? And it's like all these, you know, fairly good, fairly generic, but also really useful questions to ask. Yeah, because, well, they're, um, they're amazing because they actually give you a massive research advantage. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I was sitting doing this, like, my daughter was practicing soccer uh, for football for you. Um, <laughs> uh, she was she was practicing soccer. And I, I uh, if, if I'm there with, while she's practicing soccer, I'll just walk laps. It's like at an elementary school and I'll just walk laps around the school. And I was just sitting there and like, just, uh, you know, just dictating this into my phone into chat GPT and having it crank this stuff out. Um, and that kind of like market research and avatar research and kind of avatar development, that stuff is pretty fun with AI right now. I did it like specific to wholesaling in the real estate market, did a bunch of research like this just on wholesaling in the real estate market and like why people would choose wholesaling and like what challenges they're going to run into and like all these things.
dude, what app were you using to actually use AI on your phone? Because I have to still use the web browser. Oh, I, I go in the browser. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you I, actually use the, oh, shit. Okay, fine. Yeah. That's how you do it. I go in the browser and I, I always dictate into my phone, but like I pop it open and just start dictating. Um, yeah. That's um, awesome. I would love if there was some like chat GPT app that was a little bit more. Um, yeah. Standalone, I mean, but just, just an API, like if chat GPT developed like an app version of it, that would make life yeah. so much easier. It would make life so much easier. It, that's cool. I feel like there are people who, who already have all this stuff in place and I just haven't done the homework to figure out what it is. Maybe I could get mm -hmm. chat GPT to write me a, uh, you know, in my case, it's an Android app because I'm, um, anti-Apple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. Heathens. Um, how are we friends again? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> No, my, my son, my son actually gives me crap because he's finally at the age where he's got a cell phone. And uh, we we always fight about Apple versus Android. He and my wife both have Apple uh, phones. And I'm like, <laughs> so actually what it comes from is like downloading, downloading like uh, information products that I bought. Right? right. And having MP3 files that I wanted to load onto my phone. Well, Apple yep. always made you use iTunes for that. And it was a pain in the butt. And then it's all mixed in with your iTunes. And I became anti-Apple based on that. And I don't blame you. That, that yeah, would I be think enough it's to easy. drive anyone it's, It drives me <laughs> crazy. It's the reason why, and it's it's a weird flex, but I have a, nine, I have a 160 gig uh, Apple, what was it? Apple I, what was it? iPod fourth generation. It's the one with the screen. <laughs> I up like anytime I have any downloadables like MP3s and courses, I just put them on there. I'm like, screw it. I can walk around, just plug in some headphones. I'm good to go. I can actually walk around with this thing in my pocket. <laughs> and it makes my life easier. Yeah, seriously. I, I don't know why they don't let you like sideload audio files it's, in. Um, and I, files, I even like like the beauty customer experience of, of Android here. The beauty is like I have a, a player that identifies um, if audio is loaded into a specific folder, which is called something different, it's called like courses or something like that, or audios or something. Um, it's going to pick that up versus, um, versus just loaded generically into like a music player. Of course, now I listen to Spotify and podcasts and audiobooks, and so many platforms have their own. Um, like, I don't think that I've loaded anything new on here in quite some time, but I'm still going to be a curmudgeon about it. Uh, uh, you you got you got to have your battles for that. It's it's yeah. wonderful. Like, um, I I because I packed up my entire apartment, hence why I don't have the old backdrop with all my books and stuff like that. And I was uh, repackaging everything from boxes into more like sustainable, like plastic boxes that can hold all my books and not actually be damaged. Well, lo and behold, I find all like my old courses, like my mass control 2.0 versions and stuff like that, which, by the way, awesome. I love this fact that I still have a physical copy of mass control 2.0, which is <laughs> arguably, in my opinion, the greatest marketing course I've ever been through. All right. I, yeah. yeah, I think I I think I went through mass control 1.0. Yeah, um, it's yeah. honestly it's because it's the VSL, like Frank's Mass Control 2.0 VSL, which I love so much that I have like an MP4 version of it on <laughs> uh, my Amazon S3 so I can watch it from anywhere in the world. That VSL, if you really break it down, I have wanted when my hair was long before I cut it, uh, I wanted to do a shot for shot remake 
of that VSL. Like you have <laughs> no idea how badly I was just like grow the hair out, do the whole thing, literally verbatim try and like see what I can do and just release it and see what would happen. All right. You, you know what that makes me think of though? That makes me think of like the old, the old advice to to write sales letters by hand, right? Like yeah. what would what would you learn about how Frank Kern does VSLs if you did a shot by shot retake of his VSLs, right? So, so this is quite funny because I did a psychological profiling of this video uh, 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, I sent it to Frank and Frank told me to not release it because, <laughs> and I, I showed this to a friend of mine. that's a really good buddy in like human body language. Cause I went to like body language stuff and he went, yeah, I can see why he told you not to release this. I was like, why? Cause you touch upon some stuff that most people don't want you to know what you're doing. So I was like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> good to know but you'll pick some stuff up um but actually i'm curious on this one for you writing copy by hand are you a fan or are you like for or against it because i'm really curious on this one i you know i i tried to like the process right no one um, likes the process no let's no, just put uh, that out there. no one likes that process it's just yeah. is it necessary i don't write copy by hand um i do journal by hand and I know that there's a ton of research saying that handwriting uh, taps into different parts of the brain. Yeah. Uh, like, like there is research supporting handwriting being extremely beneficial in lots of ways. When I've tried writing copy by hand, and maybe it's because I haven't done it a ton, the feedback that I got on the copy was kind of weird. And I think maybe it's, I don't know exactly, exactly what it was. Um, it was a long time ago at this point. Um, but I'm I'm pretty much in the box uh, when, it, when it comes to writing copy. What about you? So I think if you're a newbie, you should do it. Yeah. If you're brand new, do it. It's one of the best things because what you're doing is as you're writing, you're actually, the way I always think about it is as you're using your hand to write something, it's kind of etching it into the back of your brain as and you'll remember little things. Yeah. Um, well, take the, the research, the research actually supports that. Like the research yeah. supports that the physical movement of the hand um in the writing context versus typing has uh, it actually great has retention. effects on, on the brain yeah yeah has great retention so that is wonderful uh i journal by hand i have literally so many of these goddamn journals around my house it's ridiculous um, <laughs> i'm playing with a pen right now because there's a journal right in front of me i have an ipad which i specifically got because i spent so much money on journals in one year that i thought screw it i'm just gonna get an ipad and a pencil and just journal on that that helps for a while, but it still doesn't replace a notepad and pen. I just love the physical side of it. So I'm very much an advocate for newbies doing it. Not so much for people who are advanced, because uh, this this is a funny thing. I had this conversation with you about two hours ago with someone. Um, the biggest change in society in the way that we write copy, in my opinion, happened around 2015, 2016. Like from 2013 to 2016, I, I don't know if you'd agree with this. I think that would be Facebook's big takeoff. That's when Facebook dominated. Like it was just yeah. the thing. Uh, it was already building, but at this point it was like everywhere. Like everyone was on it. Everyone had a thing. There were so many courses about Facebook ads. There was a, it, it was going, it was running wild. And the reason I bring this up is because social media changed the way that people read copy. And here's what I mean by that. It no longer became just what's in it for me. It became who are you and what's in it for me. Like the who are you became fam far more important than it used to be. Like um, 
that's why I say like old school sales letters are great to like pick up, but look at what's working today. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And let's say and write those. Well, I'll give you an example of this. Um, because I can yeah. see your face like here. So take it this way. There's multitudes of different ways of writing sales copy. There's the horror scripts, there's the hero's journey, there's, you know, you can, there's as many ways of writing sales copy as there is movie genres. Like you can group them together, but they all work. The key thing here is like, it's, uh, you, so my process, as you, as you remember, is basically you start with a headline, subheadline, you have your opening paragraph where you have a conversation, you leave an open loop, and then you introduce yourself. And the reason that works is because um, when you meet someone in person and you start talking to them, how long are you thinking, what is your name? Yeah, um, basically from the beginning, yeah, yeah. Right, who are you? Yeah. The funny thing is Stephen King actually said this, which was, uh, when are you still a stranger if you know someone's name? Someone becomes more friendly with you once they know your name. Once you have a name, they can identify who you are. Even if it's not real, they start yeah. kind of feeling at ease. Old school copy used to have like who you, like they'll have your name at the beginning, but they won't tell you why you're there for a long time. Or in some cases, they won't even introduce themselves all the way until the end of the sales letter. What I found was because of the shift and retrospectively, I realized this, it was just in the moment it didn't come to me until years later. The reason it worked so well was simply because people have been conditioned today to know more about you simply because there's more information about you out there. There was a comedian, and I really should look up who this comedian was because I've talked about this for so many years. They said something along the lines of, uh, Jeff down at the gas station used to be friends with me, and uh, we used to bitch about how we hated the Vikings or Raiders or whatever team it was at the time. It's like uh, American football, if you will, or football for you guys. Um, <laughs> and he goes, I found out, like, but now because of Facebook, I found out Jeff likes the Klan, so he and I can't be friends anymore. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> That's literally it. It's kind of social media has put up like dividing lines among for people. sure. There is no there is no more what we call an agree to disagree. Like, yeah, it's like you're either my friend or fuck you. You can die. Versus so, oh hey, we just don't agree on some stuff. Yeah, yeah, in such a big way. Um, yeah. I'm 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 like processing a, a few different things here. Like one, I'm I'm realizing that I really love my intro format for these. Uh, for these interview episodes because I asked that hook question and then we do the bio and then we dive into the rest of the conversation. Um, but then um, I was wondering about on my on my daily episodes, I wonder if I should like switch it up and do more of an introduction because at this point, I just like dive into the content and it's only at the very end where I'm like, yeah, I'm Roy Further's Breakthrough Marketing Secrets and I'll see you again in the next episode. Um, Flip it around, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Um, but then, then, then the other thing uh, that I was just thinking about, there's this book, I think it's called How to Have Difficult Conversations. And um, it, it's a really, really, really good book because um, it, it talks through processes involved with having difficult conversations, right? But one of the things that happened is they were talking about, okay, we had this whole process and this process was even applied. Like there was this whole group that was created to take people who were like, hardcore on the right politicians and hardcore on the left politicians and get them into a room and they would have these great conversations between them um mm -hmm. where where like by the end they're like seeing each other's perspective and um like all the good outcomes that you would expect from like even if they don't change their mind to like have a little yeah. bit more empathy and understanding for the other person i said like after 2016 2017 um 
and I think that this was US based, which, you know, there's some elections that went on around then. Um, yes. Uh, th- this group just fell apart. Like nobody wanted to participate in those conversations anymore. And it well, it really it, is like that. It's not just the US. It happened in the UK because of Brexit. Yeah. Like, like this. Like it's, it's happened almost globally. Like there's, yeah, there's like everyone's there's had a divide of, of something that just went on. And what's, uh, what's funny about this is I actually wrote a sales letter at the start of COVID. Um, and Andy, I can't really go into all that much. It was in the survival niche. And it was essentially, I asked one of my uh, customers, one of my clients at the time, dude, just buy a, buy a liberal list in California during COVID. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, just mail out this whole thing about how their points of view are valid, your points of view are valid, and how basically we're trying to survive this whole COVID thing together as one versus us versus them. He goes like, yes, I sell conservatives. Yes, you can unsubscribe from my mailing list if you want and don't agree with me. But right now it's all about us coming together, unifying. It killed. It literally did really well because it was the, as we like to say, the loudest voices in the room have taken control of the microphone. So they're yeah. yelling at each other, but everyone else that's in the middle is like, could you guys shut the fuck up and go back to being friends <laughs> so we can all have a good time? Like, I, I don't really care. Like, yes, we agree on some things, but the most of us, we just kind of want to get on with our day. Um, yeah. So that that's the that's kind of the thing. And again, it's great that you brought the book Difficult Conversations. So I was looking it up. Um, I'm assuming it is the one by John Townsend. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a white book with like a with just it's gray, white, and red. I, mean, <sighs> I think I had an so. audio book, so I didn't look ah, at the cover of the book very much. Yeah, that's but the yeah. one. That's the one. How yeah. to have that? No, that's that's. It's how to have I don't that difficult conversation. Um, uh, what was it? Present essentially it's about goal. Uh, what was it? Gain the skills for. Yeah, honest and meaningful communication. God, this that was a mouthful trying to get out. <laughs> but um, no, I agree with you. And it's again, it's those conversations that I don't think we have enough. And I think that's the beauty of what copywriting really taking back to copywriting. That is one of the biggest skills I found as a copywriter was you could intelligently debate so many different things because sometimes you had to write about things that you didn't personally agree with, but you could find an intersection of what you did agree with and what you didn't agree with. And you can make that decision yourself based on your own ethics and personality. Well, you could respect what was going on. And then, then if, if, if nothing else, like this, this is one of those things where I feel like every great copywriter gets to a point where they just have like to become a great copywriter. You have to be able to set your, your, yourself aside right like which is which you you could go into like classic meditation traditions and all of that and like uh you know killing the ego and you know you go back to stoicism the ego is the enemy uh although that's ryan holiday's language but but book. but this whole idea of like um being able to set everything about yourself and all especially your shoulds aside and like understand the market and speak to the market on their terms. The 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 empathy and understanding required of that is is just incredibly powerful. And really, to me, that seems like one of the biggest differentiators between good copywriters and bad copywriters is the ability to do that. And let me let me tag on one more thing. No, please. Um, there's this 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 book, Method Marketing by Denny Hatch, which for a long time was out of print, and so it got so expensive. Um, but I've always thought that it was. Uh, like actually I was pissed off at first um, because I was like, I'm going to write a book called method marketing. And then I, I searched for it on Amazon and I'm like, 
dang it, somebody already did. And it's Denny Hatch who has like such like so many connections and such a background in the industry. And then I read it and thankfully it was like exactly the book that I wanted. So um, now I just recommend it and it just got republished. Like somebody approached him last year and said, Hey, um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's affordable again. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Dude, books like that are like some of my favorites. Just as an aside, I may he rest in peace because he died last year. Joe Sugarman. um, Yeah. His uh, writing, what was it, Advertising Secrets of the Written Word? Yeah. That book, I, I had to hunt the internet to find that. I think I paid $120 in the end for it. Yeah. Uh, well, I if, I think, if I remember right, um, the Adweek Copywriting Handbook is just a retitled version of that, too. Um, that actually new. Very, like, it's very similar, but I've got both. Um, not quite. Okay. Not quite. There's a few things in the advertising secrets of the written word that are a little bit more crisp. Um, yeah. Because again, but like it's, he's also got, it, it's a great book. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that that book continues to be like one of the top sellers on, on Amazon. Um, yeah. well, like when you look at the top selling marketing books or advertising books or one of the categories, like it is, it is up there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I absolutely love that. Sorry, like this is just we're going down a little uh, nerd hole, yeah. which I absolutely All right. love. So, All right. I I, I want to talk about the whole like because there's going to be a bunch of people. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of people who are, um, you know, more junior copywriters who are like, you know, where's the value in this stupid interview? You guys are talking about Android versus Apple. Um, <laughs> um, they've not been if they've not been listening until now. They have actually missed a lot of gold, but that's not yeah. <laughs> um, so so the um, I want I want to talk about like the mentoring of copywriters. Yes. Um, so there's 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 a lot going on. Um, you call it the Danlock era um, of yeah. these people coming up, and they're like, I can write English good. I can be copywriter yesterday and make six figure. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. Like um, I, I empathize. Like if I had to write copy in any other language, well, first off, I don't even know any other language because I'm an arrogant and ignorant American. <laughs> but um, like one of the things that you have to do is make your writing kind of invisible. It has to just communicate clearly. And, yep. and sometimes that means like turn down the floweriness of your writing, but sometimes that means like fix your typos. Um, but I want to, I, I guess I want to go a step above that. Um, and, and there's a lot of people who do write reasonably good prose who are not necessarily finding it easy to become great copywriters. So um when you're mentoring people like what do you see holding people back um as far as becoming copywriters and you know what's the magic key that's going to unlock all the riches okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a big question um so going back into it there's a few things so the way that we mentor people is you have to be an intermediate level copywriter for us to bring you in just simply because there's certain nuances that we don't want to go through all the time but I'm going to answer that question because there's a lot of new copywriters listening right now. I was like, damn you, Adil. I'm like, no. Well, okay. 
let, let me interject and say that I completely agree on that. Like I, uh, many times when I've actually been investing my own time and energy, I've been very clear about like, I cannot create your success for you. I can only accelerate it. If you are in like, if you're unable to get a client and serve that client well, I can't, I can't fix that problem for you because there's so many different factors involved. But if you're able to get a client and serve that client well, I can help you do all of that better, faster, more effectively, more efficiently. Like all of that has been, you know, when I've offered mentoring, like that's that's like a threshold you have to cross. Yeah. So I'm gonna give you guys something if you but we're going to give four answers here. So we're going to go with people who are completely intermediate that want to snap their copy into place, people that don't know how to get clients and how to get started with that, and then basically what we look for on the higher echelon. So we're going to go two for two. So let's start off with a really easy one. What can you do to get your copywriting snapped into place? Watch a shitload of media. That is my first piece of advice for you. Consume, like, look at what pub the public has loved and loves currently. I'm going to go here on a limb and say, don't listen to the liberal agenda. Number one, just don't do that. I'm not a conservative. I'm a libertarian. I live in the middle. I love Super Mario Bros. as much as I love most other things. Like literally everything is fun and media. I'm into it. But here's the thing. What they're pumping out now is not converting as well. It's basically the pump, they're pumping out bad copy and everyone's like, oh, look at. No, it's terrible. <laughs> That's literally it. Look at the numbers. Don't look at what's popular by what people say, but look at the numbers. So, for instance, uh, the John Wick series. Okay. The John Wick series, if you really want to learn how, like, what's the big lesson I can pick up from the John Wick series, Adel? How's that copywriting related? Well, it's a very basic story about a man and revenge. And what it is, it's basically exploiting out what is the fantasy that every man has or every person has if you kill their pet. They want to murder you. It's pure vengeance. And guess what that feeling is? It's raw emotion. That raw emotion happens in different stages of life. They see it in different places. So you tap into the original raw emotion and go, how can I take my fitness client and make that audience feel like they're watching a John Wick movie about my fitness client? What's the story that you can actually bring that up? It could be they got dumped. They had a horrible relationship. They were cheated on. And that's why they end up in the gym getting completely jacked. And guess what? That's their revenge story. You have something there. Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. I mean, we joked about Breaking Bad earlier with chihuahuas and wolves like you can literally have that kind of thing going and what you're doing is you're studying verbal like how people are verbalizing words what words they're using specifically how they're actually saying it and the tonality of what they're saying because as an as a beginner copywriter you just have to be able to nail the voice if you really want to get good you got to get good at nailing the voice and as john carlton likes to say you got to be one hell of a good storyteller how do you become a good storyteller? You watch stories, you read stories, you read novels. Yeah. That's how you get, that's how you get, that's how I got good. That's the reason I fucking love movies as much as I do. Um, well, so, so like Eugene Schwartz, um, he had a rule that if, if a movie was a blockbuster, like whatever the, whatever the, the threshold was that he used, he said he would always go to it. Like, regardless yeah. of if he felt like he wanted to or anything, he would no. just go to it. And he'd say like, why are like this this dude became known in the art collector world for collecting fine art right but at the same time if there was some new blockbuster movie that was out he was like there first in line right like yeah die buying a ticket and he's yeah yeah like it, it's literally that and it's the it's the reason that you want to do so it's uh it's one of the fun reasons why i've managed to get 
at one point uh, I managed to get a this when I lived in London there was a uh, cinema chain called Cineworld and it's like, okay. things like 25 it was 25 dollars to get an unlimited card so you can watch as many movies as you wanted in a month at the time I lived right around the corner from the theater. So I'd literally go there on my, cause I didn't have the mentoring program at the point. I was just still writing. And again, the best thing about being a writer is like, especially with our timelines, I used to have like two or three months of deliverables for a full funnel. There'll be a week in that entire process. I just go to the cinema every day and watch like a new movie every day for a week, which made back the $25 that I spent on the thing. But if I really liked a movie, I'd watch it first, enjoy it, watch it a second time, enjoy it. By the third time, I was going into the theater at the most randomest times where they had like only three people in there with a notepad. And I was watching the yeah. movie, taking notes like, oh, shit. So this is why I felt emotional. This is what's going on. And that notepad is somewhere in my house. Um, but that's what I mean. You got to deconstruct these. And John Carlton said it best. It was like, I will spoil movies for you if you if you really look into it, it may spoil movies or it might enhance them. And for me, it definitely enhanced them because I can see what's coming, but I'm equally happy and surprised. And then I'm able to like bring it back together and put it to copy pieces. Cause that's that. Um, I'm going to move on to the next thing. Cause it's like the second thing I want to yes. talk about is client attraction, which is really, really simple. Uh, I'm going to go with, you have zero game. You don't know how to do anything. You're not chill. You literally are the type of person. The equivalent of this is the person that asks the, the client to marry them on day one, like yeah. that level of like intensity. You need to dial that back. And the way that you dial that back is just have a conversation with the human <laughs> yeah. and be like, hey, um, don't even be like, hey, if you're looking for a copyright, it's like, hey, thanks for like adding, if you add them on Facebook, it's like, hey, thanks for adding me. I see that, you know, we're both in marketing. I'm fairly new into this. I'm fairly new to the copywriting game. Um, just thought I'd follow a really cool mentor like yourself or someone that's really cool like you or we have a similar interest, just find a way to start a conversation, have a conversation, find out what you guys are into. And if there's synergy, if there is like a mutual love of something that's outside of marketing, you talk about that. And before you know it, you kind of have a dialogue going from that dialogue. They'll either introduce you to people or at some point or another, they'll ask you what you're doing. You say, I'm a brand new up and coming copywriter. I'm really just starting to get my teeth in the industry. I have a few ideas of what I want to do. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking for, but I'm going to be hunt, taking on clients to build up my portfolio. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, actually, I totally, I have exactly a person in mind. Or my personal favorite, if you've gone through one of my courses, which teaches you how to write an email, like a welcome sequence in like a few hours. Um, the best testimonial I've got for that is someone wrote 14 days worth of emails in four hours after going through it, having never been a copywriter before. It's like, boom, that works. Um, my advice to them, this is something I actually teach as well is quite simply just message someone that's on a job board and like, oh, we'll just post up a thing saying, I want to write your welcome sequence for like a thousand bucks or 500 bucks. Um, there'll be seven to 14 emails. I just need the results to let me know what it is later. DM me if interested. Yeah. And, and then what you do for your, because the thing that really bugs me is new guys. You do this annoying thing where you're like, I'm going to get it done in a week. When? How? How are you going to research? How is a week enough time to research everything? Yes, you yeah, have four yeah. days. They can do the RBC and do that. That's fine. But the most of you don't have that special skill set yet. You don't know what to look for. You don't know where you're going. You don't understand the emotional spectrum of stuff. Give your client three weeks and do it. Do it in two weeks because the thing is, if you say it's going to be done in three weeks and you deliver it in two, you look like a rock star. If you say it's going to be done in one and it takes two. Guess what? You look like an asshole. So. Yeah. Give yourself buffer time. And if your client says to you, I can't get it done, I, I need it done tomorrow, yeah. bow out. You're not at the level of experience where you can be like, I can take on a hard job and do this. 
I yeah, guarantee for sure you're going to do that and end up doing what I did to my body at a 21 year old where I messed up my stomach because I was so stressed out. It ruined me. Um, you have to realize copywriting has taken a lot of my health away from me at different times in my life, but it's also made me stronger in much different ways. It's a give and take. So For sure. don't make my like don't make my mistakes on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I'm reminded of two things that I want to share real quick. So uh, one, I still remember Bill Bonner when he spoke at AWAI, wow. like, um, at, like the jaws. By the way, Bill Bonner runs a billion dollar plus direct response publishing company. Started what? as a copywriter. Method Marketing has a book that uh, talks about the first sales letter that launched the whole billion dollar empire. Um, all of that. Um, so he speaks at AWAI and he starts his keynote speech, which is supposed to set the tone for this entire like business up op- the business opportunity of copywriting event. And he said, I really don't understand why you people want to be here and why you would ever want to become copywriters in the first place. Because if we're honest about what you have to do, if you want to be a copywriter is um, you sit down at the desk with your paper and your pen in front of you and you make sure that a loaded revolver is in your right drawer and a fifth of whiskey is in your left drawer and you anticipate using both before the day is over and you sit at, you sit at the page and you gash the pin in your wrist and just start to bleed all over the page and um and everybody in the room is like oh and and i'm just sitting there laughing because i, you I know the truth that is the truth I, it's the truth and i have that same dark sense of humor yeah. um but then the other thing, just about getting copywriting clients, there was this guy who came to my financial copywriters workshop that I did a few years back where I was teaching people and they were paying to learn from me, but also I was recruiting them to be copywriters for me and for clients, right? That's the whole junior copywriter conversation we had a while ago. Yeah. There's this guy, Joshua Lee Henry, who is well-known now, but at the time he was like kind of a nobody who was on my list and um, he... Um, he didn't have any experience in financial. And I told people that I wanted at least some experience in financial for the reasons that we've talked about, right? Yeah. Um, and he convinced me and convinced me, like he did a really good job of selling like, Roy, this is why you should take my money. <laughs> and um, eventually he did convince me. And then I do these like wine pairing dinners when I do these small events because um, I know the sommelier at this excellent Indian restaurant and he like, he does everything for us. Um, but um, we're sitting there having this dinner and he says, like, I don't get these copywriters to get started in copywriting. And they're like, I can't get a client. I can't get a client. I can't get a client. Joshua said, like, if I'm making the commitment to do this full time and I don't have client work during the time, I am going to go out and I'm going to fill my full time schedule with approaching people and saying, I'd like to be able to help you with copywriting. Do you have any copywriting? Like, and it wasn't a sophisticated pitch, but he was just willing to do the work, right? And so whether it's go start conversations with a bunch of people you'd like to work with or make offers and job boards or whatever, you do the work until you get the work and then you do that work and then you, yeah. And you spend um, okay. time practice. I was also going to say you spend time practice because that's something, for some reason, people only practice when they're getting paid. Yeah. What kind of bullshit is this? <laughs> Just as an aside, because this is hilarious to me, because I said this earlier, I'm currently sat in my childhood bedroom. This is also the same bedroom that I remember over the course of a single year of my life. I think I was 19. I wrote 1,000 sales letters in the space of that year. Only five of them were used. I was writing three <laughs> sales letters a day. Wow. Right. Yeah. 
go do that and then bitch at me about how hard it is to get copyright. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. All right, you got it yeah. easy. <laughs> All right. Um, just thinking so, of practice, one of one of my favorite le- letters that I wrote. This was back in the like totally just swipe people days. Like in terms of my mental development as a copywriter, um, I found the the Nancy Halbert Harold Heraldry letter, which was used to sell, which, which like built the the Halberts, um, the 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 family crest Coat business. Them? Right. The coat of arms. Um, letter, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was the, it was the coat of arms letter. And I took the idea and this was just practicing copyright. I took the idea and I said, okay, so what if I was, what if I had a winery and I like pretended like, and God, I should, I should just go find a winery who can do this. Pretended like, I had cases of like the Amarsi family wine. And, and one of the beautiful things about that coat of arms letter is he figured out a way to mail the phone book, right? And, and that means like um, mailing every name in the phone book, like that's incredibly hard to do, right? Profitably. But if I mailed to every Amarsi and I said, um, listen, we have this event coming up for the Amarsi family and we had to do these cases of, or, and we made these cases of, um, some of our favorite wine, and here's some information about the wine. And this label that's attached shows you the label that we actually put on the bottles of the wine. Well, we have like 14 cases sitting here, and um, we can't sell them in any other context. So we're wondering if you would like them at this price, right? And and yep. shipping cases of a Marcy family wine. Well, all you have to do is print print a label for every direct mail piece you sent out with that person's last name on it. And then you can print the labels on demand to slap them on the bottle. Um, right. So I could do the fur family wine. I could do the whatever family wine and mail the phone book with it. And, um, it was such a fun letter to write, but, but that's an example of just practice, practice, practice and like learn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say as well with like the Halbert letter, and I don't know if you know this, but if you guys want, and just pitching this on there because it's still on Spotify, uh, go listen to the podcast I did with Bond Halbert as well. Um, Abel Marcy unplugged and type in Bond Halbert, you'll see it. Bond actually told me that it took his dad a full year to write that sales letter because every it's 365 words, 385 words, it's a single page. It took yeah. him so long because every single thing on that letter earned its place, like literally. If there was an A, an is, a the, the street name, the sign off, literally everything was so painstakingly like done by Gary that like when it mailed, this is like the legendary story. They had to hire 22 people just to take the checks they were getting every day to the bank. Yes. Think about how well, much money that is. They opened an office on the second floor of the bank where they would receive the mail and just open that and enter the order. It, it, yeah. Like, yeah. um, yeah, nuts. Yeah, okay, that, that, this is a knockout. Yeah, we are we are reaching the end of our time, and we could go okay. on forever. Um, okay. But I want to give people the opportunity to go and get more from you. Um, so okay. you you have a you have a URL here, yes. greatestcopywriteralive.com, and it's going to be the first link in the description, whether you're <laughs> listening or watching on YouTube or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah uh, they should go there. They should yeah. learn more about you. They should find out more about you. They should. Um, yeah. Do you want? Do you want to have that be a surprise? What they're going to get, or do you want to? 
I don't know. I can tell them. I can tell them exactly okay. what they're going to get. Okay, so first of all, I'm just going to say it took me a really long time to pluck up the courage to actually build this domain because I've sat on it for about seven or eight years. Um, but I want to I want to preface it because I'm going to get a lot of flack that I don't really have time for, which, you yeah. know, I just don't I, I genuinely don't have the time for. I'll respond because I'm a troll, but at the same time, like I really shouldn't be. Um, it's not about me. I am I am one of the greatest, in my opinion, and the greatest by many people's opinions, simply because of what I've done in the industry. Please come test me at any single time. You will basically be thrown onto the bullhorns and made <sighs> to be a pariah and sacrifice. I'm happy to do that. But this whole thing is about you, my fair listener. It's about you becoming better. It's actually a it's a repository of all the years of information I have and all the years of things I've done. I mean, you think writing for 422 markets, 17,000 plus campaigns over like a 21 year period is not going to leave me with some experience? Yeah, it's going to give me some experience. So it's all about that. So the thing that you guys are going to get when you get there to sign uh, to opt in is I've actually Roy knows this because I've actually we've spoken about before. It's my story selling matrix. It's the three questions I ask people to figure out their story. And this whole thing shows you how to use it for yourself, your clients, how to turn it into content that's infinite. It's a really cool thing to do. So you guys can opt in. It's really more. It's, it's a 10 minute video. You guys can get that done in 10 minutes. The key thing here is that you're on my mailing list. Once you're on my mailing list, you're going to see what my welcome sequence looks like. You're going to understand how I write. I don't write as much as I should, even though I'm changing that around with the launch of this website. Um, and you're going to get a bunch of good uh, goodies because I love over-delivering. So you'll get access to like podcast links that I'm taking offline. You'll have access to like exclusive interviews that I do with friends that, you know, I don't share anywhere else on my blog. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's it, it's I'm just going to be giving a crap load of stuff away, uh, including the two things I haven't mentioned on this podcast, even though it was meant to, but we ran out of time, which is what are intermediate things, two things that intermediates can do to start really pulling in cash and starting getting this copyright thing right. So that's going to be some of my first blog posts. Thank you, Roy, for giving me that. Awesome. <laughs> complete, complete. I'm tagging him in this. Like, so Roy Fair told me this. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Um, so that's the greatest copywriter alive.com links are in the description Adol, thank you so much for being on this like we should honestly you know do a few I more think, of these i i personally think we should you and i should just start a show at some point where we just do like a actually you know what after this i'm gonna pitch you on an idea i have a great idea i think we should really do it together i think it'd be wonderful and i think you'll laugh at the name uh once once i tell you <laughs> well uh stay tuned folks because uh, history might be about to be made, uh, but yes. we're going to officially stop the recording of this and have our secret clandestine communication. Uh, afterwards, I'm Roy Fur, this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. We've had Adela Marcy, uh, whose greatest copywriter alive website might be about himself and it might be about you. <laughs> You'll have to check it out. Um, thank you for, for watching, for sticking with. Let me know takeaways, all of that in the comments, and we'll catch you again in the next episode. See you soon. Bye, guys. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.